Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Hook Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I am Alex Burr, joined by Caleb Lynn, host of my second favorite podcast on the Running Hook Podcast Network, Lynn Sanity. Um, I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a wonderful podcast. But Caleb, in the tradition of throwing a curveball, when you expect a fastball, who is your favorite former Cardinals catcher turned manager of the past who managed the Cardinals of the past 10 years. <laughs> that is definitely not the curveball I expected. I prepared for a curveball. That is not the curveball that I expected. Because um, <laughs> that curveball only has one answer, and you don't like that, you don't like that manager. <laughs> like, like Michael, Michael Matheny is the only answer that I have for this question. Uh, If you don't like that manager. I have no comment on that manager at this time. But all I know is, all I know is he was a very solid. He was, he was a manager. He was a a solid catcher. He was a solid catcher for the Cardinals. He uh, gave the Cardinals plenty of good years uh, behind the dish. Um, And then Yachty came in and shout out Yachty. And then Matheny was not in the league. And, you know, he decided to become the Cardinals manager. And that decided they hired him. The Cardinals hired him. They chose him to be the uh, manager. And I have no more comments after that. And the Royals. He he was also invited to the Royals. And uh, Royals fans would have no comment on that as well. I'm sure they wouldn't. Um, Would you be opposed to hiring Yadier Molina as your manager at some point? I don't think I don't think I think he is a very smart and intuitive guy. And I think if he was a manager, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, he, but I think the what, pressure that he would have, if the pressure that he would have as being the Cardinals manager, in my opinion, would make him sick. And and the Cardinals fan base would be horrible. Because I don't think they would, I think they would, I think his, the way that he would, I think everything about it would be really hard. And so for my sake, I don't, for my sake, I got to say for me, like, I don't, I don't like, I think he's talented enough. And if he was a manager, like awesome, but man, I, I think it would be a different, I think it's, I think it's different when you're the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals just like you're the manager of the Yankees, just like you're the manager. Like nobody cares about Alex. Nobody cares about Aaron Boone hitting a dinger anymore for the Yankees. They care about if he wins. You're not wrong. They care about if he wins a title for them. So, I mean, Alex Cora, they don't give a, you know, a flying, you know, it's, it's what, what do you, they didn't give a flying rip about what he did as a backup infielder. I mean, they, they, you know, they're like, give me a title. or don't give me anything. And I just, I just don't, I don't want Yachty to be in that position. He's done so much for Cardinal fans in my generation. I don't want that to happen for his sake and, and for our sake, because I want that relationship. He's a Hall of Famer. Fair enough, which is why I hope you guys hire AJ Przinsky. <laughs> well, yeah, He's a former Cardinal. Did former he play Cardinal. for the Cardinals? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Wow. Krasinski. Yeah. He probably White liked Sox him. Legend. He probably liked it. He probably liked him. He probably liked us pulling your White Sox. That's there is no way that's true. There's uh, listen, we, we he, can make he jokes. Learned, he, he he probably did. He, he probably played was for like, the Cardinals man. for He's like, man, games. I like that. He's like, man, I like that Cardinal right and red. I mean, that's just such a nice he look played at all for those the White Sox. Look at all the look at all those batters out there. St. Louis better. Hey, all the but success. Do you know where he history. won one? All the success you know of your history. He won one. Yes, he did. He yes, I do. Yes, I do. Chicago White. The Sox. pale hose. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll give it to you. <laughs> so, no, you're right. He did. He did win one for the White Sox. I'm, I'm not hating on Pazinski as a winner. I love Pazinski. I love Pazinski as my backup catcher. I I wish I wish Pazinski uh, nothing but the best, and I think he's one of the best MLB analysts in the game. Do you? This is a really quick baseball story, but. There was one game I went to, right? And they were playing, um, I think they were playing Oakland. I went to a White Sox game, right? Uh-huh. And I just remember no one was covering third base. And AJ had the presence of mind 
<laughs> to like run to third base and everyone just like stood up in the stadium like sta- standing ovation for AJ that he's so popular here like amongst White Sox fans it's not even funny we he we rocks. love him we would die for him um I like AJ I love I, I loved AJ as a Cardinal when he was a Cardinal. don't talk to twins fans about AJ Pruszynski but don't talk to twins fans in general if you can avoid it um <laughs> but we're not here to talk date we're not here today to talk baseball we are here to talk um we're gonna talk the Knicks and we're gonna talk a little bit about college basketball not gonna talk like college basketball how they talk on Linsanity Caleb and I found an angle I think we're gonna hit this from but I I think we should start with the Knicks Caleb I think that's probably the better way to go about this so the Knicks right now are on a nine game winning streak they're 39 and 27 good for fifth in the Eastern Conference last five games (laughs) on an absolute tear beat the listless New Orleans Pelicans, which, by the way, I don't know if you heard the last power hour. Um, It just came out the other day, so I don't blame you if you didn't. Uh The Pelicans are 8-19 and since Zion went down. And it's just absolutely terrible what what they've been doing. Um, They beat the Celtics 109-94, beat the Nets 142-118, beat the Heat 122-120 in a game that garnered a Mike Breen double bang <laughs> and then beat the Celtics in double overtime 131 to 129. So they beat the Celtics basically twice in a week. Not basically, it was twice in a week. Um Monday to Sunday. Caleb the Knicks outside of Milwaukee are probably the hottest team in the East right now. Just what are your overall thoughts on the Knicks? Let's just let's start there. I look. I, I I like the I like the Knicks. I like the Knicks a lot. Um, I like what they've been offensively. I like what they are defensively. Um, I like this team to make the playoffs. Um, you know, I bet on this team to make the playoffs a couple months ago, just because I think they have. You know, with Tom Thibodeau, you always know they're going to play hard. It seems like. I mean, obviously, there's. Discussions about one player maybe not playing as much, but they certainly have, you know, a, a mix of fun young players and some veterans, guys that are really cool stories. Like for that area, when you're talking about a guy like Jalen Brunson, it's it's a it's a team that I, I'll be honest, it's hard to not root for them. Like it's it's when you watch them play, like they definitely have a style and a way that they go about the game that's really good and and. You know, obviously Julius Randle told to shut you up uh, and, and Dylan up uh, again. Well, he makes that uh, every odd season thing because he did that in 21. Then last year he like, I don't know what happened. And then this year he's been he's probably going to make all NBA team again. But <laughs> by the way, Knicks have you know a longest I'm winning streak. You know, I'm kidding. You know, I'm kidding. You know, I'm hey, kidding. <laughs> hey, credit where credit's due, though. I mean, I know, all I know, seriousness. I know. I don't. All, all seriousness, gotta call a spade a spade. And he's yeah. been playing great this year. Um, Brunson's yes. been playing great this year. Yeah. Um, if I told you though, in if I told you in October, right? You know, we have optimism about the season. The Heat just made the conference finals. You know, the Nets are like they just resolved the KD situation. This is before the Kyrie, the new Kyrie situation happened with the anti-Semitism stuff. But if I told you in October that the Knicks would be comfortably sitting in the five seed, um, two games ahead of the Nets, and I'd say four games ahead of the Heat, and the Nets are floundering, Caleb, I think you probably would have looked at me funny. Like, you would have said, okay, you're crazy, saying the Knicks are, like, pretty comfortably the five seed. They're only a game and a half behind yeah. Cleveland right now. There, it's not like they're oh, you know, haha, we're the five seed, but it's like you know, there's three games either direction. No, they're like pretty convincingly the five seed right now, and they could make a push for home court in the first round. And if you told me, I, I know if you told me that in October, I would have said you were crazy, Caleb. I, I know you, you're complimenting them and you put money on them to make the playoffs, but if I told you this in October, I would have guessed you felt the same way. I, I definitely would have. I mean, this was a very dysfunctional. Knicks team, 
in the beginning of the the beginning of the year because you you didn't know what the rotation was going to be. You know, Thibodeau was consistently, you know, putting in his veteran guys um, and going back to kind of what he's always done. Um, you know, Alex, I don't know exactly what flipped. Uh, I'm not sure what led to younger guys getting more of a chance there, uh, but it's happening. And, you know, and that's what it seems like. Now, again, obviously, we, you know, with a player like RJ, we don't really understand that situation yet, but you can't deny the fact that he isn't playing young guys. He is right. playing young guys. So he, he obviously sees something about what, what they're doing. He sees something about a quickly. He sees something about a Grimes. He sees something about a Robinson, you know, some McBride occasionally. Like he sees something. And, you know, Alex, I don't know what it is. I mean, we aren't obviously in that Knicks building every day. Is it practice related? Is he just seeing more effort? Is it, you know, like, I think all of us could be like, oh my gosh, well, RJ Barrett, he's a tough, I think he's so talented. He's so talented. But I mean, we're not there every day. We're not seeing what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know what that looks like uh, from the Knicks perspective. And certainly they've got, you know, a team where it feels like now he's finding that right balance. And then like when they were struggling so much, it, it just never felt like the balance was there. So you and I talked a little bit about Evan Fournier, like pre-show. And we're like, we're not going to talk much about Fournier. And we really aren't because it's kind of like, you know, it's not his fault. Like the Knicks were like, you know, oh, hey, let's throw a bunch of money at you. And it's not his fault. Like, oh, Tibbs was like, let's go to the death to the with the veteran, they were six and seven when they took him out of the starting lineup. That means conservatively they're 33 and 20 <laughs> without him in the starting lineup and with Grimes in the starting lineup. Um, I, I'm not good at math. Caleb, that's pretty good, right? Um, I, I'd like my team to be winning at that rate. That's, I'd say, about a 55 win pace. Generally, I'd say the yeah. Knicks are probably going to win about 48 games this year. And if they were starting Grimes all year, you could make a chance that you could make a case. They'd win 53, 54 games. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, Brunson, not an old player. Barrett and Grimes, young players. Quickly, you were brought up quickly. He's been playing quickly his whole time in the NBA. I don't know what it is about quickly. Yeah, you're right. He's, He's now I'll say Tibbs. Tibbs and young point guards. Point guards have been his exception to the rule. Like when it comes to playing the youth in Chicago, he like with the exception of Marcus Teague, <laughs> he did not play Marcus Teague, but he, if you threw a young point guard in there, he would play the young point guard, but yeah, he's played quickly like his entire career, but quickly. I mean, we just saw that game. He had in double overtime. Caleb, he did a lot of his damage before overtime. Right. Like quickly was a monster in that game. Was it like 38, eight and seven? <laughs> and something he's been insane like that. Yeah. Something yeah. insane like that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, something insane like that. He's honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they have to trade him to, so he could start somewhere like, because he wants a bigger role. Like he, he deserves it. Um, It's a shame. They couldn't make more of a role for reddish. Like, especially reddish is kind of thriving in Portland. Um, but hell, he's played Tibbs has played Jericho Sims this year. Right. And right. old Tibbs would have never played a guy like Jericho Sims this month. Absolutely not. And absolutely not. I'll say, um Mitchell Robinson is a little unreliable in certain aspects. His foul trouble has gone down from the beginning of his career, but the injury aspect never like he still will get hurt and miss some time. So that's probably the one aspect where you want Mitchell Robinson to improve. He but plays him though. He does play him. He Mitchell Robinson. I mean, 28 minutes a game, Caleb Mitchell Robinson. If there was three centers on the all defense team, he'd probably make third team all defense. Like, right. Yeah. He's been pretty good. Like when he's healthy, he's, he's an awesome defender, he's awesome rebounder. But we, we should talk about Randall. Um, 25 points, 10 boards, four assists, um, shooting 35% from three, much better than last year, 47% from the field. Um, the defense 
is a lot better than it was last year. I think Robinson being out there a lot has a ton to do with that. And he's been just solid, solid in all his weak areas and great in all his good areas. I don't think you could say anything bad about Randall this year. He's, I think he's proved all the haters wrong. And I I think Brunson coming along has a lot to do with it, but Caleb, he's really found himself as a player. And I think if he can do this for the next couple of years, he deserves all the adulation he got in 2021. Yeah, and I think you pointed it out best, Alex. I don't think it's the offensive talent has never been denied. It's just putting it together, the consistency in that. The, you know, the, it, there'd be so much times you'd look at the stat sheet, he'd shoot three of 11, then he'd go 13 of 15 or something. It's just, it, That was his older days. Now it's like he's in this position in New York where he's ha- he has had, you know, opportunities to to be a high-level player. Obviously, in 2019, he was that way in that 2020 season. But then you look at what he's done this year. To me, it's it's the defense. And I agree with you 100%. Mitchell Robinson being back is a big deal. And his offensive workload, to be quite frank, is less. It's just less. He's having to do less. There's less energy that he's having to spend on that end of the floor. He was the source of offense for that Knicks team that made the playoffs. There really wasn't another source of offense. The Hawks knew that when they played him in the postseason. Um, I think I think what's happening is they have, they just have better creators. You know, guys are getting, guys are improving. Um, guys are getting better. Guys are understanding the NBA more. And, you know, now Julius is able to be like, oh, sweet, I can kind of, you know, let other people do my, you know, things. Let me get my energy going. I can focus on some other things, help the team out, and eventually lead to winning basketball. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people would have said, is he a winning basketball player? Um, is he a player that helps you win? I think the answer probably in his early part of his career was no. And now I think it's very fair to say he's a winning basketball player. And I think that's really where it changes for me. Yeah, there was times, even during the 2021 season, he shot 40% from three that year. Um, He's shooting worse from three this year, Caleb. But I feel like when I watch him shoot a three, and I I feel like you would agree with this, especially when it's a catch and shoot three, when it's a pull up three, you know, whatever, like those are harder threes, but when it's a catch and shoot three, I'm, I think you would agree with this. It feels like it's going to go in more than it did in even that the year where he made all NBA the first time. I don't know. I I don't know if the stats back this up. The stats don't back it up, but it feels, I think the catch and shoot is more in rhythm. Yes. I think it's yes. He's getting better looks from out there. Yes. He's not, yes. And I I think if you want my honest opinion, I think that year, I think this year's stats are more indicative of what he's actually like as a shooter. Because remember, he crashed and burned from three in that Hawk series. Like I think he shot 20% from three that year. It was bad. Um, because Hunter stuck with him. He was missing some wide open ones, but the crowd really threw him off. He really, he was one of those guys that really benefited from no crowd that year in terms of the three point percentage. Do you remember how there were some guys that really like benefited from yeah no crowd that year? Right. He was one of those guys. So this year we're seeing his like true, like best self. And I think it's real. And if he can shoot 35% from three, it's a star player like an actual star. And I had him pretty low in my top 100 that last year, Caleb. I, he's a top, if he keeps playing like this, he's a top 35, 30 player in the yes. NBA. Yes. He, Cause he, there's no flaws. Now, do I think he's the best player on a championship team? No, but if this guy's your second best player, <laughs> I like my stop. chances. We've got us, but we got, we got us, we got to limit that conversation to an extent. But, we're we're but never, like, like we're never going to see, like, I mean, how many players are number one on a championship team? But you know, like, like I'm saying, I'm saying, right. If he, if you get him, it's New York. Sure. So it's different than like, if you throw, who's an example. Let's just say you throw, let's say hypothetically, I think Brandon Ingram can be the best guy on a championship team, right? Okay. 
or let's say, let's say I don't think he can be the best guy on a championship team, right? Let's say I think him and Julius Randle are both second options on a championship team. Okay. Um, who has a better chance of attracting a top option? <laughs> Julius Randle or Brandon Ingram? Because of the market. Like, you have to take that into account. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think the way Brandon Ingram's style is, it's more conducive to being that number one option. Agreed. It's, it's funny they were both Lakers. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. Guys, they gave away. <laughs> yes, it but, is. Um, You're right, though. I, I think, Caleb, we're seeing the Knicks be competent. They've been competent yeah. since... I, I, you know, I didn't hate the offseason where they signed all those veterans, but almost all those guys are gone with the exception of Fournier and Rose. Um, but those guys are about to be gone. Um, and Jalen Brunson. I was wrong about that. I will readily eat pro on that contract. I thought that was a terrible contract. I was like, how did this guy get more than Colin Sexton? And look at me. I'm a big fat idiot. <laughs> Because twenty four points a game, you are six. Thank you. You are. Um, well, I don't. I don't though. I, and, I t- and I'll tell you why. I, because we, when you're talking about a play, he he was never a player, right? That you saw in Villanova. You you would see, like you see Colin Sexton grow, and you see all the abilities he has. A lot of one and one, a one of one type of stuff. Like Brunson was was always a player that. Had his bag in many things, but was never great in anything. And those players, I think it's fair to say, aren't great in the NBA. They're just fine. They're complimentary pieces. They might have a, a solid NBA career, six years in the career, excuse me, six years in the NBA. But Brunson, to me, what, what he's just done is just, he's since he's been in Dallas, and I, I really would argue in the last year with him specifically, I think he has just figured out exactly who he is as a player. Like, I'm going to be like Andre Miller on the block. I'm going to take you on the block and I'm going to beat you up because I'm stronger than you and I can take it to my left. And then I am just going to own the free throw line. I'm going to own the free throw line jump shot. I'm going to own the 15 to 18 feet. And you're not going to do anything about it. And the Knicks, to give them credit, have maximized that personnel to allow him to be able to do that because now they have shooting. And 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 that that to me, you know, he he's been able to and not only do they have shooting from their guards, but because of how you were talking about Randall, his shooting is just it feels more effective and it's it's opening him up. It, this has been I, I agree with you. I was wrong on this, but I will say. I think it's better than what the organization expected. I, and if you put a true serum on that, I, I, I would be curious. I would be curious because I think they, I, there's no way you expected it this early. I, I just don't believe that, but uh, you know, he's been very good. Very, very good. Yeah. There's you, you couldn't have expected this. I mean, this is like, you could, people were talking about Jalen Brunson for the all-star game. And like doing it legitimately, he had an actual case. I, they picked the right Nick, and it was quite obvious who the right Nick was. And it's quite obvious who the right Nick for All NBA is. I mean, well, there's yeah. no way Jalen, there's no way Jalen Brunson would make All NBA over, you know, Damian Lillard, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Luka Doncic, and that's just to name a couple. Sure, um, sure. It's gonna be interesting to see though where they go from here, because this was a great bounce back year for the Knicks. Like last year was a terrible year for them after 2021. Um, I don't think there's really any other way to phrase it, but now you're, now you have expectations again. Um, You added Josh Hart, who's looked, I think we both agree. Josh Hart's looked great for them. I agree. I don't know what happened in Portland. <laughs> well, I know what yeah. happened in Portland. He's not shooting threes. He's still not shooting threes. He's only shooting 2.4 threes a game. Right now he's making 59% of them. And I'm I I'm not good at um I'm not good at all the analysis stuff. I'm gonna guess that's gonna go down at some point. That number seems a little unsustainable. Yeah. Um yeah. Hart's not a bad shooter. I don't know why he's so hesitant to shoot. 
he was kind of hesitant to shoot in Portland and that kind of was killing them. Um, I'm guessing Tibbs is going to love Hart though. He's probably right now. He's already playing almost 30 minutes a game. I'm guessing Barrett's minutes are going to go down. Yeah. Um, Grimes's minutes. Grimes percentage is down to 36% from the whole season, but Grimes is still like, you know, he can shoot. He's just being guarded like the best shooter. Yes. 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 Um, Quickly, quickly, it's at 36%, but also, you know, like he can actually shoot. This team just has like options on options on options, but I think Barrett is something I would be concerned about going forward because Barrett, to me, this is something else we were talking about before the show. Barrett, if you're the Knicks, if you don't trade him, now if you trade him, you know, this this whole conversation we're about to have becomes null and void. But if you don't trade him, he's your best chance of like becoming a contender. <laughs> and you know, I don't think there's anyone who's like been a bigger RJ Barrett fan than me the last couple of years. You know, I've been really writing hard, yeah. being like, you know, this guy's awesome, this guy's right. great, like showing the signs of progress. It's all taken a step back this year. I again calling a spade a spade. The playmaking has been atrocious. Um when he's had the ball. Again, I think part of that's being the third guy in the pecking order, but still, um, the finishing has gone back to where it was his rookie year, which is not where you want it to be. Um, Caleb, I does this guy just need his own team, or do you think? What do you think the problem is with RJ Barrett in New York City? Um. It's it's hard. I I mean, it's easily been one of the more confusing things I've I've seen in the NBA this year. I can't really put a pulse on it. I think it's a combination of learning a different role. Um, RJ Barrett uh, in high school, number one superstar. Uh, RJ Barrett in college, number one recruit. RJ Barrett in international play in Canada in the FIBAs and all the, you know, the 16, 17, 18, U, the man. Um, I, my thinking and opinion is it's a role. It's just learning how to not be the guy anymore. Like, you know, we criticize veterans frequently for it. We criticize Russell Westbrook. We criticize Carmelo Anthony. Um, I think when it comes to a player like RJ Barrett, I just think this is happening in a, lesser scale in the sense of lesser coverage, because I just think it's, it's just hard for him to get used to. I mean, Alex, you tell me your, your entire life, your entire life out of every kid in your entire age, you are the number one guy in your class. You're number one. You're the best player in your class. You're the player that everyone wants. You're the superstar in the making. You're getting pitches saying you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. And in less than a handful of years in the NBA, you are the third guy on a pecking order. You're not as prioritized or viewed as a big guy or viewed as the highlight package. I think that's a world change for him. And I, I think that is a part, I, to me, that's where it starts. You're, I would flip that question back on you. I'll, I think your point has merit, which is why I'm flipping the question back on you. Because yeah. yes, his whole life he's been the number one guy but I think you could trace it back to even before the NBA because you brought up number one guy heading into college but you you kind of left out one key little thing the guy in the the number one guy the year after him <laughs> reclassified and joined his school right and went to the same school as him right and became right. a bigger star at his school sure and my my question is Caleb sure. yeah I, I I wouldn't even say it's a question so much as an observation. I don't think like people who don't follow the NBA as much, I think point like I've heard Bomani say this, and I think it's a good point. Like, I think that kind of if you're looking for a reason why he hasn't succeeded so much in the NBA, like that's a crazy thing because Zion went to Duke and it was Zion's team. It wasn't RJ's team. And RJ did a lot of the ball handling, but Zion was the bigger star. And that team lost in like the round of 32, didn't they? I don't even think they made the Sweet 16. Well, well they, they beat UCF 
in the they round beat UCF thirty two. They beat UCF. So they made thirty two. They made but, the Sweet Sixteen. Yes, and they didn't. So that team but was I, a colossal disappointment. Um, and so RJ, right? Yeah, you, he he deserves some culpability, obviously, but. I think he would have looked at that situation more favorably if he did that, if it was just him in camp. Right. Um, and he was able to control the situation. So I, I think my point kind of is like, you know, he's never had a, like, I think the only year where you could make an argument, he was like the sole captain of the ship was his rookie year. But I think Julius was in New York, his rookie year. But I'm going to look it up. Real- but you have to, okay. But Alex, look, I mean, while you're, I mean, I would push back on the Duke thing quite significantly. Uh, the the rank, I mean, Barrett was the number one guy. And when Zion went into that class, he was number five. He was in the same specter, but he was not, he wasn't better than Cam and he wasn't better than RJ. The role of those guys, I think you could argue the role had to adjust. I mean, I think it's fair to say, Alex, and this isn't a, sh- I mean, I, I, you know how much I've always really liked Zion. Like, I don't think Zion is a secondary player. What I mean by that is his playing style doesn't work as a second or third option. It just doesn't. And he had a larger than life personality. That is, you could make the case that larger than life personality was the closest thing to Shaq in college. You, you could make the case and probably there was it. So you, so I, again, again, I would push, so I would push back on in terms of the overall talent viewing, but at the same time, you're talking about a player in Zion that I would also argue you have to create or you have to create everything towards. And you could also say that the NBA team that he plays on is seeing that ripple effect. They're, they're, I would they're, disagree. You know, they're, they're, a, they're, a, they're a good, they're, they've got a great roster. There's no denying how good of a roster they had. Shoot, I thought they were good. I, shoot, I put a bet on them like uh, the beginning of the season. I was like, this team could win the NBA championship. Because when they looked, they looked so good when they were healthy. You know, and, and, you know, now Zion's out. We're trying to figure that out. But anyway, it's not, you know. I think he'll get back on the court soon, hopefully. But, but I do think there's a lot of points that have to contradict that. And and I, I think that when it comes to a player like RJ, you are obviously yes, you're willing to defer to great talent. I would argue you don't go to Duke if you aren't willing to go to defer talent. Same thing about Kentucky; you have to defer to talent because you're going to be with a bunch of great talented guys. So, I, I think there's a level of that as well, but. When you, I would have to think, Alex, I mean, we're not professional athletes, but I have to think it's different when you got the keys to the, when you got the keys in the locker room, you got the key to the ignition, and then you go from, hey, we're just, we're just putting you in the back for now. We're just, we're just, we're not, we're not having you really steer it. We're, we're just having you in the back for now. Because fans have turned on him too. Yeah. Like, let's, let's, like, Alex, we were talking last year about this guy not being traded for Donovan Mitchell. There was logic. There were smart people in the NBA that were like, you don't trade that guy for Donovan Mitchell. I mean, there were, there were a lot of people, you know, and like, like, I guess that talk about a complete 180, a complete twist and turn. I have a tough time believing that what we're seeing now is the RJ Barrett we would see moving forward. That's hard for me to understand. Yeah, I just. I really the problem is, is that he's a guard. With about, you know, he moves at the speed of a power forward. (laughs) And that's that's one problem. He's not a bad defender. Sure. No, I, I agree with the speed. That's that's it's, fair. There's a lot of problems. Like the sh- jump shot too has been, he shot 40% in that one year. Other than that year, we are at 32 his rookie year, 34 last year, 33 this year. I'm going to take a gander and say that 40% was the outlier. Um, Now his free throw shooting did jump from 61% and it's been over 70 every year. 
ever since. So it's been pretty remarkably like improved. So I the jumper has improved a little bit, but I I need to see him improve the three point shot. I need to see him maybe improve the speed and the playmaking. He doesn't create for others. And again, I don't know if that's a function right now of he doesn't have the ball in his hands. It's that's always a possibility, right? When you're the third option, why would you go for assists when you need to get your shots up? Because right now he's at 16 shots and I don't have the rest of the roster pulled up. So Julius is at 18.5. Jalen's at 17.5. The shot attempts this year are actually insane. Like that used to be impossible to have three guys averaging 16 shots a game. Like that. Yeah. That's insane. (laughs) Have three right. guys averaging that many shots, but you can see it in the assists. I mean, Jill, Randall and Brunson are combining for 10 assists a game. Like that's where yeah. the not enough ball is coming in, I think. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, it's going to be interesting to see his growth if he does get traded or if he doesn't get traded. I think staggering needs to happen. And and to be fair, they do stagger them quite a bit. Like a lot of the Barrett minutes you'll see are without the other two. Um, but I would probably make that like a good amount of their minutes. I'm not saying I'd bring RJ off the bench entirely. Because, you know, a lot of guys egos run off of starting games. <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Um, right. We're seeing. I, I just think that it makes more sense to have him be the second unit creator, have him run all the pick and rolls, right? It'd be better for his development. The problem, I think, you know, what the other problem is Caleb. Them winning his second year was great. It didn't really give him a lot of time to like develop, you know? No, it didn't. Yeah. And so it might've actually hurt him. Yeah. Where he, He didn't, he didn't actually learn good habits, you know, like he became stuck in his ways because he needed to have a role his second year in the league when he needed to win usually that time for like, I'm trying to think of an example of a guy on a bad team who like Giannis, right? That was a bad example because his second year was, but Giannis in like his third year, right? He was allowed to mess around and the bucks weren't great. So I, I don't know. He, I think Barrett could use a couple of years of that. He's still young. You know, right. I don't even think he's. Is Barrett 23? Yeah, he's turning 23 in June. So I, I don't know. I I have faith. Do you yeah. have any other any other guys you want to touch on on the Knicks? I feel like we've done. We've gone pretty in depth on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've touched on a lot of guys. OK, so I, one last Knicks question. Good. Just a big picture question. Okay. What for you for the Knicks would constitute a successful season? Is it winning a series in the playoffs? Would it be pushing your first round opponent to like six or seven games? What makes a successful season for the Knicks? You gotta win a series. Win a series? You gotta win a series. I think they I think it's you know. And you could make a case if it was a seven gamer, but I, I guess I, I would say, you know, win a series. And, you know, I think if you get to the second round and you can build off it and use it for the off season, you know, I, I think that's worth it. So right now they're not going to catch Philly. I would say it's pretty safe to say they're four games behind Philly. Yeah. And I, you and I both trust Philly enough. They're not going to go on some catastrophic losing streak where, they're, where no. they'll fall to five. No, not at all. Um, my guess is that Cleveland and New York will be facing each other in round one. <laughs> so here's my, <laughs> here's my other series. Here's my other question for you, Caleb. Yeah. Who do you, I, we're close enough to the playoffs now where I feel like this isn't a, a dumb question. Who do you like in that series? <laughs> That's a fun series. Um, I lean Cleveland. I would lean uh, Cleveland too. I lean Cleveland, but that's a seven gamer. Probably. 
I think I that's a, that's a that's a seven gamer um, because you they're they're the argument for the Knicks. I mean, I can it's it's right in front of my face. I don't I, I can see how they would win a series like that, but um, I I would lean towards I think Garland and Mitchell, the two of them, are just simply as guards they're they're going to be able to get their shots hold you more consistently. And right. I think really Mobley, that's an opportunity for Mobley to shine on the defensive end. And, and, you know, to me that that center matchup would be fun. I mean, Allen against Robinson, I think would be really fun if both guys stayed healthy. Um, I, that'd be really fun to watch, but I, I think that's a, that is a very intriguing series in a lot of ways. Um, I would really like to see bigger staff in the playoffs. Uh, I, 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 that's a coach I really want to see in the playoffs. Bad. Uh, I want. I just want to see what he's going to do. You know, I mean, I know he's been an assistant. I know he's been around the, been in the trenches in that regard. I just, I'm just curious to see what he does as a head coach. You know, and um, so that would fascinate me, given Tibbs' experience and being in big playoffs. Um, there'd be that'd be a fun series. It'd be a very very fun series and. Um, I, I, you could even argue it's the best series in the first round. If that was a series, probably you know, either that's that or a great like series. One of the West series, probably the best right. series in the East. <laughs> Definitely yeah, the best maybe. series in the yeah, East. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'll say, cause it's about to, Kayla's about to have the ball a lot. So I'm going to just say a successful season for the Knicks will be in the eyes of the beholder. And what I mean by that is if they get hawked in the first round, like they did in 2021, fire tips. Like I don't think it's I don't think it's up for debate. Wow. Like if that happens again, fire tips. Alex. But if they lose in like seven games, I think I'm more lenient. Like it it just depends on the outcome of the series, you know? And I think that's Jeez. where I was going with that question. Is that <laughs> it's honestly, Caleb, like I think that. You can have a lot of leeway with this. I think Tibbs coming into the season, I thought he was going to be fired. At this point wow. now, unless it's catastrophic, I don't think he's going to be. Wow! Like, wow! I wow! You see, you you would have fired him. You would have fired him. I thought he was doing a terrible job. Wow. He saved his job this year. He honestly wow. did. Mm. So mm. he. I wouldn't say he's playing modern basketball because it's not like necessarily modern. Sure. But it's, it's a lot better than it used to. Like it's a lot better than it was the year where they won a lot of games. And I think a lot of that is his, like you brought up earlier, going to the young guys. Hmm. If he didn't go to the young guys, he loses his job. 1000%. Like he gets fired in January, but now we're talking about them. They might win 50 games. If they keep winning at this pace, who knows? So but Caleb, yeah. right around the corner, you can almost taste it. Selection mm. Sunday is this upcoming Sunday. It is, what, five days away? <laughs> five days away from this evening? Four days away from when we post this podcast? Wow. I, yes. Can you believe it? It is so close. It is is right around the corner. But it is. we wanted to do the NBA viewers guide to March Madness. And like we said, Selection Sunday hasn't happened yet. But Caleb, there's going to be some teams in March Madness that NBA fans should keep their eyes on anyway, that are that are most likely going to make Ooh. it right. So who, okay. who do you have in mind first? Who who should NBA viewers keep their eyes on? Well, I, I mean, obviously, when you're talking about NBA level teams, uh, you know, in the sense of just the prospects that are going to be out there. I mean, I know they've been getting some bad storylines, but I, I think you got to take a look at Alabama. Uh, I think with Brandon Miller, he he is the real deal. Uh, I don't think there's any any denying in that in terms of just kind of what he can bring as a player. Um, you know, obviously as a person, that's a uh, that that could be a different conversation. But in terms of a player, certainly very talented. Um, I think you know, in terms of yeah, you know, I think Kansas would be an interesting team for NBA fans. Uh, I think Baylor would be an interesting team for NBA fans. Um, and I think Indiana, I mean, you can sit there, you can call me, you can call me biased. I don't care. 
Um, I think I think Indiana has a lot of intrigue for NBA fans as well, given a guy like Jalen Hutchifino who could very well be in the lottery. So um, those are a handful of teams that I have, um, at, you know, that I think, you know, when you're talking about those teams, you know, I'm, I'm also trying to think of teams, Alex, that could have a deep run in the tournament. And, enough. and those teams are, you know, teams that I think have a chance to go deep in the tournament. And, you know, they have NBA guys that I think, you you know, people should watch out for when it comes to the NBA draft. So who are, you brought up um, Brandon Miller from Alabama and you brought up Hood Shafino from uh, IU. Who yes. are the guys on Kansas and Baylor that we should be keeping our eyes on? Well, I can tell you, uh, you know. I'm going to hit the, I'm going to hit the desk hard for Keontae George. Uh, I'm going to hit that wood hard. Uh, I think he is a really, really, really nice guard. And I think it says a lot, Alex, when you're on such a, when you're on a team with the amount of guards and the particularly amount of good guards you have and being able to find your role within it, instead of just being like, well, no, I'm not going to, you know, be as effective of a teammate. I'm not going to be as effective of a passer. He's mixed in with Baylor really effectively. And you saw Baylor when they had Davion and, and Butler, there's no, when you play for Baylor, Alex, you, you cannot be a, I'm going to get 30 points a game because I freaking feel like it. That is just not how Scott drew plays. So you, you are a team that has, you know, that relies on multiple people and on multiple shot creators. And he's certainly a player that, that stands out to me, um, you know, in, in that regard, uh, you know, Grady Dick of Kansas uh, as a player that's rising up draft boards. Um, I think Jalen Wilson, if he has a big tournament run, has a chance to jump up high on draft boards, uh, a good wing uh, can shoot it uh, and defend at multiple positions. Uh, and, you know, a guy that might be familiar to some, you know, with Kansas winning a national championship. Uh, those are just a, a couple of guys on those teams that I would, I would look at. I remember Jalen Wilson. Cause I covered him in the first round of the uh, NCAA tournament. Legitimate player, man. In, in 2021. Yeah. He's a, I'm surprised he's still on the team, but Hey, you know, if he's, if he can get drafted, good for him. Um, he's yeah. a good player. Yeah. Yeah. I like um, him a lot. Who? So, okay. Yes. Who's this isn't like NBA related just sure. for like someone, you know, I haven't watched a ton of college basketball. I picked up some this weekend, but obviously sure. not like a ton. Yeah. Just in general, most fun college basketball team that might have it. Not like not even Ooh. most fun college basketball team that will be in the NCAA tournament. You think the most fun team that I have the team that I just have the most fun watching. Yeah. That will be in the tournament. It doesn't have to be a team that will win at all, but team that like, okay the basketball power hour listener will enjoy. Wow. Um, Texas. Um, Texas. Uh, They, 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 they're a very, they're an older roster. So, I mean, if you're sitting there, you're like, Oh my gosh, all the guys that I want to see in the draft are super young and, and, you know, they're not freshmen and whatever. Um, Where's women Yama? <laughs> but Texas is a team that I think any basketball fan would appreciate their movement, their resilience, um, and the fact that they just have a lot of guys who've been through the war. You, they just have a lot of like you just sit there, you watch them play, and they just fight, they compete. Um, they really compete for uh, their coach that they have in place now and Rodney Terry. Um, it's, it's a group and they have a fun lottery pick as well uh, in Dylan Mitchell, who, I mean, Oh my gosh, the amount of natural talent that guy has. I mean, Holy cow. Um, I, to me, like I, I think Texas is the Texas is the team. They're projected a two seed. I think there's a chance to make a deep run. They have very experienced guards. I just, I just think from a basketball perspective, they bring a lot for an NBA fan that just wants to see high quality college basketball as well. Fair enough. Can I, can I throw a team that I enjoyed watching this weekend into the mix? Go ahead. I'll tell you, tell me what you think of that. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed watching Marquette. Mm-hmm. They were a fun, mm-hmm. like they just were a solid basketball team. Like they, I agree. Cut. They, 
um this like your typical college basketball team but like they cut they were yeah. you know smart off the ball they were but they weren't like you know oh like oh this is your this is why college basketball is so much better than nba no it was like they were mixing in other stuff too it was just like oh they were mixing in solid fundamentals with other stuff and that's why i appreciated watching marquette am i off base <laughs> um like that a lot i think that's a very good take there a lot of players, a lot, a lot, a lot of players, uh, you know, that can put the ball in the hole. Um, I, I like, I like that team a lot, multiple balanced scoring. Uh, they get it from a lot of different players. Um, you know, Shaka Smart's done a great job. That's yeah. A good example of a team that I don't know if you sit there and you go, Oh my gosh, we have a lottery pick on our hands, but you know, there's definitely, you know, a high level talent there and a, a very high level of execution. Okay, now we're going to just switch mostly to college basketball questions for the um, dummies who haven't watched it all year. Which conference is going to be most disappointed they didn't win the championship this year? Like, if they don't win. Is it the Big Ten or the Big 12? Neither. There is uh, the I Big would, East. I, I would, no. I, I would say, I would say it's the SEC. Really? Um, I think, I think it's underwhelming. I think they've been underwhelming this year. Um, so you're saying they'd be the most disappointed if they didn't win? Yes. Yes. Um, because I think they had Bama, who was supposed to be really good. Okay. You had Arkansas, who was supposed to be a top five team. You had Kentucky, who was supposed to be better. You had Auburn coming off a, coming off a number two seed last year with high-level transfers and recruiting. Um, and that's just four teams. I think the Big Ten, most people were just like, it's an open conference. Indiana was the favorite to many, but Indiana at the same time wasn't necessarily, it was really just because of experience. Um, The Big 12, gauntlet, gauntlet. Um, But the Big 12's had a lot of success. Um, Obviously with Baylor and Kansas winning national championship, um, I, I think it's SEC. I really do. I, I and I honestly, I don't think it's close. Uh, I don't think it's getting talked about enough in the college basketball circles. Um, you know, in terms of the conference and the way that people thought it would go. Interesting. Okay. Um, who's a mid-major team? And I, I don't really count the Big East here. Sure. Who's a mid-major team that people shouldn't be sleeping on? I'll tell you. Um, I've been watching, I mean, I've been crapped. I've been watching a lot of mid-major basketball. Um, Here's a, I mean, you can go a lot of different directions. Uh, Drake is a popular choice. I like them a lot. Um, I like College of Charleston. Uh, They're in Charleston, South Carolina. They're in the Colonial Athletic. Man, they can shoot the freaking light out of the ball. I mean, they, they have a great, great scoring. Four or five guys in double figures. Um, you know, so they can put the ball. Many guys can score it. Many guys can shoot it. They have a lot of seniors. Um, they've won 30 games. I mean, you know, in college basketball, you win 30 games, in my opinion, that just says a lot. Uh, you yeah. won, they won 30. You won, I don't care what conference, uh, you, you win 30 games, you win 30 games. Um, I think they are really legit. Uh, they know how to win, obviously. Um, and I think they're going to be an 11 or a 12 looking to take advantage of a potential draw. And I, I would not want to play that team. They're very well coached. Um, I, I, I think they, to me, they have my attention and Drake has my attention. All right. And I, I got a couple more that I'm just yeah. thinking of off the top of my head. Yeah. What's a high major that you wouldn't like a high major team that's been hyped up all year. You wouldn't be surprised got upset in the first weekend. Like you, you mean like just in general, top? Yeah, just in general, like yeah, Virginia, 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 Virginia. The done, the done. If you give me, if you, if you give me a four or five seed uh, with Virginia, I'm picking the thirteen or the twelve. I don't care. I I think the the metrics are horrible in the second half of the year. First half of the year they were really good. Second half of the year they just fallen off a cliff. Um. Virginia. Virginia. This is, 
I haven't obviously been following college basketball yeah. a whole lot, but I, I've been paying a little attention. It seems like outside of like three teams, the ACC has just not been good at all this year. Like I, I think I agree. Miami's Miami's been the best team, right? Like I don't think I like Miami. I like Miami the most. Um, I will say, I will say they were underachieving first half of the year, second half of the year. Duke's gotten red hot. Right. Uh, I know Duke's picked it up. But yeah, Duke, North Carolina is North Carolina's not going to make it this year. Oh, right? Carolina, Carolina's ridiculous. Oh, they're ridiculous. They're ridiculous. And for those that listen to Lindsay podcast, I'd like to take my victory lap, please. And and I don't want to. I don't want to have a. I don't want to have a uh, fifty yard dash with them. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just trot around that thing. Are you I mean, gonna do the um backwards? Like, you're gonna be holding the football out like well, you're gonna two, be doing a moonwalk towards the end two, zone. Two years in a row. Two two years in a row. Said it about Oregon State. I said they're the luckiest team in college basketball, and they're absolutely right. They go from absolutely nothing to next year. Carolina, Carolina, same thing. I said it's not working. It's underwhelming. This is the biggest joke in March. And what is it? The biggest joke in March or the biggest joke in March this entire season. Carolina, Carolina's done. They're done. Not unless they unless they can like somehow pick up some games in the tournament, which I guess is possible. But I, I in the ACC tournament. But I, I just it's tough to say. I mean, they've been they've been very not good this year, and a lot of people had them pick you know for a chance at winning national championship. You know what? I gotta love the um, pettiness. Just one last question to satisfy my um curiosity yeah go ahead what's opinions on west coast basketball this year because we you've talked a lot about Ooh. midwest and Ooh. um east coast basketball sure um pack 12 you know i know gonzaga yeah. isn't the same this year just in general how are, how are they doing because i know ucla is a top team this year and i know ucla is probably going to be a one seed but other UCLA's than that i don't know legit. much about the, i don't know much about the pack 12 are, are they doing okay pack 12 gonna have a handful Three or four potentially. UCLA, Arizona is very good. Alex, uh, it'll probably a number two, number three seed. Um, you know, maybe we're looking at a USC chance at an Arizona State uh, type of of team. Maybe going three, four deep. Um, I'm in on Gonzaga this year, <laughs> which okay. I can't believe I'm saying that. I'm very in on Gonzaga. You're the and first person the guy to say that. You're, and I'm normally the guy that fades them. I am not fading them. Um, I think they are out to prove something. They finished number two in the West Coast Conference. Uh, that's not a team that's used to finishing number two in the West Coast Conference. Drew Timmy did not come back to college uh, to get out in the first weekend. Uh, he is just an incredible monster player in college. I think his best basketball in the tournament will be in the tournament this year. Um, I like their guards. Uh, I think I think their guards are better for the NCAA tournament. Uh, they're better in the sense of you don't have to run sets for them. You can, but you don't have to. Those guys can go out and they can get buckets. Uh, they can do it on a consistent basis. I actually I actually like to tag a lot. I, I'm very much zagging in in, in that regard. Um, I think I, I like this team a lot. They have a balance of experience, and I like the newcomers they have. Um I'm not sleeping on them. UCLA, I'm not sleeping on the West Coast. Um, but really, it's you. It's it's mostly a down year for that conference. I mean, St. Mary's, probably the fifth best team in the West Coast Conference. You know, or sorry, not in the West Coast Conference, but just in West Coast teams, um, for me at least. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at a situation where I don't think it's as strong as it's been in the past, but I think that there are some strong teams there. Yeah, and again, Timmy, a guy I watched pretty close in the championship game. He got pretty bullied by the Baylor guys. That's 100%. something I'm never. That's something I'm never gonna forget. But I mean, he is a senior now. Like he was, a, like people forget he was a sophomore that year. And we're so used to like people just dominating as freshmen now. Like if you're one of the top guys, yeah. and his body is finally matured. Like, and we're I'm excited he, to see him. Right. Right. He he what? is definitely matured and more polished. His moves are more technical. He he's and he knows how to assert himself. Like I guess that's my other thing for him. He just knows how to assert himself, and you know I think that's going to help that team moving forward. Like I mean, against top competition this year, like just looking at because you know 
against for Gonzaga, a big concern is always against, you know, how do you fare against right. your better opponents? Right? right. Against Michigan State, 22. Against Texas, 18. Against Kentucky, 22. Against Purdue, yeah. 22. Against Baylor. <laughs> well, right. let's not talk about that game because he struggled against Baylor again. But against Xavier, um, 16. Against Washington, 22. Um, right. Alabama, 29. Right. Like, against St. Mary, Mary's, he did pretty well both games. I don't know, man. I think there's something to it, but it's Gonzaga and Mark Few. I think he might have missed the boat because 2021, I think that was just bad luck that year, truth be told. It was his best team. It was. It's, that team it, was, it, his yeah, team was, was great. Yeah. It just, it, it was like, his team was a movable object. Yeah. Going up against the unstoppable force. I agree. And I agree. You know, and a lot of hype. And a lot of the, the the movable object, unsurprisingly, got moved by the unstoppable yeah. force. It, it so was hard. I mean, Gonzaga, you you carry around that expectation of undefeated, undefeated. That that was such a. I mean, it's hard to. It's hard. It's hard. You have to answer those questions consistently, and and they had to do it every game, in the tournament. It only amplifies. It's a lot, but that team was legit. And I and you could make a case that they win that game more than 50% of the time. Oh, for sure. Um Yeah, I I think if Kispert gets free for a couple threes, that game like early, that game might be different, but who who can really say? Um Caleb, I think that's everything I have for you. Make sure you check him out on Lane Sanity if you want to hear more college basketball coverage. Conference championships this week, right? We're going to be figuring out who's going. Oh, dan- yeah. We've already figured out some teams who are going dancing, but we not, have. not we all have. of them. No, we have not. A lot of them have been mid-majors this this coming week as heavy, you know, in the terms of, you know, Power 5 uh, conferences. So the bigger universities are, are going to be playing this week and, Selection so Sunday, so we'll see how it happens. Yeah, make sure you check that out. Um, make sure you check out the power. This this week has been a very busy week for the power hour. Um dividing up teams a little bit. Don't usually do it this way, but um make sure you check out the one I just did with JD um talking about Ja and talking about um the Hawks and the Pelicans. Make sure you also go back and check out the one I did on the Pacers with Zach and Bryce. A lot of great Power Hour content with all the Running Hook family. It's a shame I, I Dylan Hughes was on a couple weeks ago too, so I've literally had every member you, of the Running Hook family been, on in the been, last last yeah. few weeks. Well, it's probably nice for you, Alex, to have me on. You probably uh, you probably needed a break. You probably had to carry those guys so much. You probably had to carry wow. Bryce and Zach on a consistent basis, carried a load like LeBron in 07. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it was, it probably was nice to be able to have you back. Uh, you know, if you were, yourself. listen, if you were really going to try to jab him, you should have said LeBron in 13, you know, that's what you should have said. I'm not saying it, but that's what you should have oh, said. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. I love, you know, I, I, <laughs> I'm with those guys on a consistent basis. And, and obviously, of course. you know, those guys with the, uh, uh, you know, talking bases with you, uh, obviously, you know, they're, they're going to bring, they're going to bring their fandom, you know, and, and uh, that's what they do. So. Of course. And by the way, we all agreed. Um, CJ Stroud is who we wanted. We, <laughs> we decided that at the end of the pot. So, um, so make sure if you if you want to hear why we all said that, make sure you listen to the basketball power hour um, where I, I I think I managed to work in football every single time. It's, there you go. I think this was the first week like other than that. I don't think I've worked in football <laughs> this episode, but every other week I somehow managed to work it in. Yeah, um, look at you, man. Make sure you check out Circle City Cinema where Caleb will also be joining. So first we got Mandalorian with Zach and Bryce. So yes. you're not going to want to miss that. Um, they're also going to talk about a lot of other stuff on that episode. First episode of Mandalorian, not very um, busy. Second episode of Circle City Cinema this week will be Caleb Blaine joining Zach Griffith to talk about Oscars gambling odds. Caleb, aren't the Oscars also on Selection Sunday? 
Yeah, they do them on the same day. Um, you know, but it, it, I don't know how that worked. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know. One of those things is much more important than the others. And it's not the, um, it's not the Oscars. Correct. And, 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 you know, but (laughs) you're correct. And I, maybe Zach would agree with you. Uh, I, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, but I am excited. Um, you know, I think what, you know, what he's wanted me to do on the show, I think will be, will be cool. It'll be neat. Um, you know, everyone listening into it will be able to see Zach's knowledge and his ability to understand these movies. And I'm going to kind of be the guy that's like, okay, talk to me, like, talk to me. Like I'm, you know, like you've got, you're this big movie expert and you're seeing what's going on. And so it'll be a great podcast for those interested in, in the awards and, and how they're going to end up. Yeah. Make sure you check that out this week. There will be a podcast out every single day of the week. On the Running Hook Podcast Network. That's wild. So, so I actually, wow. I don't think there will there will be one out on. No, no, there will be one out every day of the wow. week. So make sure you check it out. This will be the busiest week since we've had the full um, assortment of podcasts. Um, thanks to thanks to Alex Burr. I've, I'm really doing the and Caleb Blinn. We're doing the heavy lifting this week, Caleb. Um, it is what it is. You're, you're, you're doing the heavy lifting. You're on three podcasts. Bless your heart. Well, um, it, is, it is. Yeah, it is. It uh. It is what it is, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, it'll, it'll be, it'll be good. And, and we'll just, we'll go from there. So make sure you check out all his stuff. And I want to thank everyone so much for listening. <laughs>